Hi, this is Jeremy Gritton, art director and story lead for Ori and the Will of the Wisps, and you're listening to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 139 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Sunday, July 10th, 2022. I'm your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. In this episode, we've got plenty to discuss as Microsoft has announced significant changes to the Games with Gold program. E3 is now set to return in 2023 with new leadership, and Ubisoft has made waves with the return and showcase of Skull and Bones. Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XEP, discussing all things in the Gamerverse as they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem. And as I am wont to do each and every week, I like to start the show by offering words of kindness to those who have made my gaming week better. And this week, the words of kindness are extended to Josiah Martinez, who dropped an incredible review back in June for XEP over on iTunes. I went back and read it, and it absolutely made my day. Josiah said... We all need more positivity in life and especially in gaming Xbox-based podcasts, but positive about all gaming formats. Great podcast and must add to your weekly rotation. Five stars easily. Josiah, thank you so much for that review. Those mean the absolute world. I appreciate you so much. Uh, Thank you for writing that and for the kind words as well. They made my gaming week and I hope hearing this makes your gaming week, my friend. As always, everyone, if you would like to drop a review, head over to iTunes, drop a review there. You can also do so on Spotify or just go click click the like button over on YouTube as you listen to the audio format over on YouTube. Whatever your preference, it absolutely helps me uh, stay afloat and keep making content for you guys. So I appreciate it. Now, as a nice change this week, we've got plenty of news on the docket. So let's get to it. The Games with Gold program is undergoing a significant change. Microsoft announced that it will discontinue Xbox 360 titles from the service beginning in October 2022. Following the removal of Xbox 360 games, Microsoft will continue to add Xbox One titles for the foreseeable future. This was explained in an email that went out company-wide and is kind of percolating the rounds of the different news beats there. A lot of people wondering just what this means. Is this good news? Is it bad news? Is it... Uh, anything that we should be taking away from it or or looking deeper into. And my big take on this one is that this was an inevitability. There is a finite number of Xbox 360 titles, and there's a finite number of Xbox 360 titles that are available for a program like Games with Gold. And it makes perfect sense that you would reach the conclusion of that program, uh, and, and as such, you would need to stop giving them away unless you get repeats or you get continuing continuously diminishing returns on that product it's been long speculated that games with gold might go you know the way of the dodo anyway in lieu of game pass or lumping them together i think that's already kind of happened in many ways if you think about xbox uh game pass ultimate that kind of thing uh and and a bigger question is being asked does this reduce the value of games with gold and i think if this question had been posed Years ago, the answer would be absolutely yes, but we truly have reached the point of diminishing returns where you're not really getting much out of the 360 titles that are being included there. 
thanks to a lot of incredible backward compatible sales, you likely already have the games that you want from the 360 era. And with no new games being added to the backward compatible program, that finite number continues to become less and less available. So I no longer think that this reduces the value of games with gold. I also think that the majority of people likely listening to this podcast are having access to games with gold via Game Pass Ultimate and probably weren't really benefiting from it. Very few people in the podcasting space that I'm aware of have access to games with gold, but not Game Pass Ultimate. Uh, And as such, it just doesn't really chart. The consistent conversations I hear about games with gold are how it's not as good as PlayStation Plus, not as good as Game Pass. And I I respect that, totally understand it. It's not something that even charts on my radar any longer. I appreciate the program for what it is, but I don't think it was... It was, it was really moving the needle in any way that I can see. I am curious to know, and I don't think we'll ever get to, just how beneficial the Games with Gold program is at this point in its lifespan. There are an incredibly high number of people that still subscribe to Xbox Live Gold, but don't have Game Pass, and are still accessing Xbox Live uh, from their Xbox 360s, which is two generations back and from their launch Xbox Ones, which is pretty astounding, all things considered. Uh, It's not something I would really think about. The subscriber count for Xbox Live certainly influences and affects the active user base on Xbox platforms via the Xbox network, and they're really trying to get those people to move into a Game Pass territory and upgrade them into more modern tech, either via xCloud, via PC, or with the Xbox Series S and X. Uh, So... There's a lot to to potentially look at in this one, but the, the general simple point of the removal of Xbox 360 titles to me is not a big deal. The majority of Xbox 360 titles that I want access to that I don't have are licensed games that would never come back or that can't be accessed through the Games with Gold program. And uh, listeners of the show know that in, in the past few months, I've kind of made it a point to go out and search those i've been you know buying them off ebay snagging all the bond games snagging the tmnt games star trek stuff uh, the things that because of licensing are not making their way forward through backward compatibility and i didn't want to lose the access to those games forever and uh quite pleased now that i have access to those but i have a working and functioning xbox 360 to do so Nonetheless, the removal of Games with Gold, I don't think reduces, I'm sorry, the removal of 360 titles from Games with Gold, I don't think it reduces the value of this program. If anything, it might up the the value of the program uh, in the future, depending on how they choose to compensate for those games. Are they removing holistically altogether and you're just getting two games a month? Uh, Or are they going to make it four, four games a month, you know, Series SX games, Xbox One games? They do have a marketing issue when come October in that, because of smart delivery, it's just Xbox games, right? Uh, an Xbox One game is a, is a Series SX game. A Series SX game uh, is just an Xbox game. At least that's the way they've worded a lot of things. It'll be curious to know how they handle and address that. But um, the continued phasing out of 360 doesn't bother me. The phasing out of Xbox One needs to happen, uh, I think, more quickly than it is. But for all intents and purposes, we're seeing sales numbers that are pretty darn impressive um, given the chip shortages and whatnot, continued continued growth in Japan, continued growth in North America and in Europe, um, and keeping pace with PlayStation in, in a pretty healthy way. I am encouraged by this, chip shortages or not. It's nice to see Xbox uh, healthy, competitive, and doing so without major titles right now. 
and it will make 2023 all that much more interesting as as units get out there. But bottom line, as far as 360 games and with gold going, it's good news. E3, or the Electronic Entertainment Expo, will be returning in 2023. It was announced that they would be returning in 2023, June specifically. The ESA, or Entertainment Software Association, said so this past week. What's interesting about it, though, is that they have a new organizer, new leadership in the company, ReadPop. Now, if you're unfamiliar, ReadPop is responsible for the likes of PAX, the Star Wars Celebration, New York Comic Con, and I think this is good news for the product overall. The ESA has continuously floundered what E3 was meant to be, what E3 is, and what the product was um, in recent years, so much so that they canceled E3 2022 uh, late in the game, citing COVID concerns, but it didn't really match up and no digital event to compensate. Uh, the Summer Game Fest has certainly been eating their lunch in that respect with Jeff Keighley knowing the right people and bringing the right people on board to offer a replacement showcase in E3. And it will be really interesting to see just how ReadPop as a company decides to rebrand the E3 showcase uh, as an in-person and digital event, which they are saying they will do. It certainly piques my interest and I'm interested my hope and my my goal with XEP is to be invited by Xbox proper as media to go cover their fan fest and, and showcase title. And with that, go to E3 as well. Um, I, that is a long-term goal of mine with Xbox, uh, with, with XEP and, and kind of charting onto Xbox's radar. I just don't know if I'm on that radar, but it'd be really cool to go and see just what this event is like, just what Repop is trying to do. Uh, and be there in a media capacity. I got to do it years ago via Xbox Canada when I was partnered with a Canadian podcast and the Xbox Drive. Uh, but now that I'm on my own and, and charting those waters, I feel like I've punched above my weight with some guests and I'd really love to kind of rejoin that. But I'm really encouraged to see that ReadPop is in charge of this. I don't, I don't know if E3 needs to go the way of the Dodo or not, if it needs to go extinct or not, needs to rebrand or not. I've said any number of things kind of on that spectrum in years past at, at given times based on information available at at the time. But I'm really encouraged by the idea that this company, ReadPop, has experience with massive showcases. The Star Wars celebration is not to be laughed at, nor is New York Comic Con. They bring in huge guests from the properties. They allow fans to interact with them. They've got great media presence. That's amazing. And in terms of packs. That's a lot of great spotlight for indie game developers up through AAA. I am encouraged. I'm excited to see just what they do with it. I'm also excited to see how Summer Game Fest responds to this. Host Jeff Keighley did go out and tweet that they would be having a digital and in-person event as well in June 2023. My, my pie-in-the-sky hope is that they kind of link up and they say, hey, my showcase is this time, your showcase is that time. Let's make it easy on journalists, easy on fans to, to attend and view both because it can be a very expensive thing. I'm already saving up because money was the reason I didn't attend this past week or, or this past uh, year. I would really like to go to this one and I would really like to, to see all that there is to offer. So I'm already putting pennies in the bank. Uh, I'm already trying to kind of set things aside to make a trip out next summer. Uh, hopefully as media and, and really kind of see what these showcases have to go with because June 2023, man, it's 
that seems like it's going to be the best year in gaming that we've had in a long time with all the titles that have been delayed, sadly, through pandemic and otherwise looking to launch in 2023. And as a result, they'll, that'll be making space on slates to announce new things. So there's really a lot to talk about, a lot of great people to see. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to to just what this one has to offer. I am curious what your thoughts on E3 are, though. I know a lot of people that are like, E3 needs to die. I think I've said that at various points. Others are like, E3 must live. We need it. We desperately need to have it. I want to go to it. Where do you stand? Tweet me at InsipidGhost or respond to the thread over on Twitter or in the comments on YouTube. Just let me know. It helps me get a read for my audience and, and where you guys are at on these certain topics. So uh, thank you so much, guys. Well, Ubisoft made waves this past week with a Skull and Bones showcase. That is indeed correct. You heard correctly. It is true. Skull and Bones is real. It was showcased in gameplay, and darn if it doesn't look pretty good. This is Ubisoft Singapore's outing on a pirate game that fans last saw in E3 2018. Four years ago at E3, we saw Skull and Bones, and... Everything else has felt like vaporware since. Little things here and there, mentions of it, rebranding, new leadership, a retooling entirely of just what this game is or what it was meant to be. We saw the showcase. We have a release date. It is this November, November 8th to be specific. Goodness gracious, that's the day before God of War Ragnarok. God bless these people for trying. Um, but Skull and Bones looks pretty darn cool. It certainly seems to be taking the naval combat of Assassin's Creed Black Flag, which was expected, but it really seems to hybridize the world of Assassin's Creed Black Flag with something that people might be familiar with in Sea of Thieves. And I was really encouraged by this showcase. I liked it. I was, I was excited by it after watching it. This was not something I was overly interested otherwise. Mind you, I'm a 700-plus hour player in Sea of Thieves. Uh, absolutely love Sea of Thieves. It's a, it's a great game. I go in and out of phases with it. But, I mean, I've maxed out multiple plunder passes, and I love Sea of Thieves, and I really enjoy the pirate aesthetic. Shout out, by the way, to everyone that recommended Black Sails. I'm watching that right now. Ooh, you guys were right. It's good. Now, unlike most of Ubisoft's open-world games, this is going to be interesting because Skull and Bones is not going to have a campaign. This is where the mimicry of Sea of Thieves seems to happen. It's not going to be a storyline-driven game. And this is the, those are the words of Ryan Bernard, who is the game's director. Uh, there's no finisher to Skull and Bones. You don't hit credits or anything like that. Instead, it's kind of a make-your-own-adventure, and they give you an incredible uh, playset and sandbox with which to make your own adventure. To many people, that is something to uh, a cause for trepidation. And I understand that. A lot of people felt that way about Sea of Thieves. And th those trepidations caused Sea of Thieves to start putting in tall tales, story-driven content, a pirate's life, and now the ongoing mysteries that are happening in Sea of Thieves regularly. Ubisoft's open world is just that. It's an open world with which you uh, play in. And your goal from the very moment you craft a spear, which is interesting, you're crafting things in the game. You are, are building your own infamy, infamy, trying to rise to a pirate kingpin, a pirate lord, as you will, somebody to rule the seas. You'll be playing and interacting with other players. There's PvE, there's PvP. Unclear exactly whether or not those are separate servers. It sounds like it's suggestive that there are separate servers here, uh, but it, you'll be working your way through different locations on the Indian Ocean. 
which looks really, really cool. You can upgrade and level up your ships and level up your fleets, which is really neat. Customization, I'm curious to see just how how much you get visually out of that. Is it going to be something where you only see it in little like mini cutscenes as you roll up to a dock? Or is it going to be something that you can like jump out and look at your boat in? But I was seeing a lot of different things that that set the game apart from Sea of Thieves. That was really exciting. The wildlife, you might be battling things like alligators or hippopotamuses, uh, hippopotami, hip, hip, hippopotamus, uh, whatever you want to call the, the duality there of a hippopotamus. Uh, but it was really neat in setting itself apart from the standard Sea of Thieves. And that's the game I continuously go back to because while Atlas is out there, I don't think it it hit the way in terms of the mind share with the, at least the gaming community that I'm a part of in terms of pirate games. But I saw a lot of things with Skull and Bones that I'm really excited for. I offered the analogy on Twitter that uh, Sea of Thieves is to Fortnite what Skull and Bones is to Warzone, right? They have similar genres. They're going to have things that you can uh, mark as being similar, but they're going to offer very different gameplay experiences. And I think that's great. I think it's extremely important in the gaming arena that we have games that are similar or that maybe hit different buttons or or sorry similar buttons between them but push one another to be better and be different and market it themselves it took a long time for sea of thieves to really hit its stride with the anniversary update uh, and then various updates kind of having been hit and miss since the game's inception but having another competitor on the seas is going to be really really good to push both products to be better i gotta say i left pretty impressed with just what Ubisoft has put together with the Skull and Bones team. And I'm anxious to try it out. I did watch on Twitch. uh, They gave Twitch drops for it, which was a smart move. Twitch drops are so important in terms of garnering an audience to at least raise interest in your game. Every Sea of Thieves streamer that I am aware of was doing this, was watching this, whether they were paid or not, I'm unsure. Um, I'm sure some of them were, mind you, for sponsored content. You would want that, right? Like, that's an important thing. But everybody that I know in the Sea of Thieves community was watching and checking this out. By the way, shout out to Captain Logan, who continues to be uh, a great content creator for Sea of Thieves and Xbox, by the way. He's got a great show for that. Look up Captain Logan. You will uh, not be disappointed. But I'm really, really happy with this showcase. I'm really interested to see some of these NPC arenas that they've got for Skull and Bones that you can check out. Things like Pirate's Dens. Uh, They really echo of Far Cry but in a good way, like Far Cry Primal, uh, the good parts of Assassin's Creed. Uh, and I'm all for it. If it's, if it's the, this is not my joke, but instead of Sea of Thieves, they're calling it the Sea of Creed, you know, like Assassin's Creed and Sea of Thieves together. And I think that's a great, great thing. I, I would love that because I really liked Assassin's Creed Black Flag. The naval combat was unrivaled and um, I'm, I'm all in on, on checking that one out. So bottom line, uh, I'm excited. I want to see more. This is a game that I am going to be picking up. Uh, I don't know that I'll play it right away, largely due to its release date. I want to note that the day before God of War Ragnarok, which is, you know, in my top three most anticipated games of this year, next to Avatar and Gotham Knights, like, sorry, Skull and Bones, like you will wait. Uh, and I think you can wait on all Ubisoft titles, by the way. They go on sale very quickly. They incentivize you to pick them up. Uh, but they often have a really high price tag on day one, and then they drop significantly. That's a Ubisoft strategy. Um, you know, so so take that for what you will. But I'm interested in this one. 
And if you're interested in Skull and Bones, you should know, uh, or Assassin's Creed, you should know that Ubisoft is having its showcase, Ubisoft Forward 2022, which is just their version of a direct or an inside Xbox, what have you. They announced that they are having that on September 10th. On September 10th this year, you're going to see more of Assassin's Creed news for Assassin's Creed Infinite or Infinity. I actually don't know which one it is. Uh, you'll probably see more Skull and Bones. The reason I'm most interested in this is actually to see what Massive Entertainment's done with Avatar. I really want to see what the Avatar game is. I'm uh, really excited for that game, but I know nothing about it, right? This is probably how the people that are excited about Starfield felt. You know, like, I want Starfield. It's like, you've never seen the game. Well, I'm interested to see what Avatar is just simply based on the franchise and the property. I really like the Avatar uh, movies. You know, I'm interested in that. The movie, movie, you know, it's only one movie. Um, but the world is fascinating to me. And the last Avatar game, which I'm playing on 360, is not very good. Uh, but it's cool to be part of that universe. And I'm interested to see what Massive Entertainment has done here. You should note that Massive Entertainment showcasing Avatar is kind of what helped them link up with Star Wars. So they've got to have something there. At least it would be, be reasonable speculation to, to check that one out. We'll see. Bottom line, uh, Skull and Bones looks great. Very interested to see what's going to go on with it. Hopefully it pushes Sea of Thieves to continuously be better. Ubisoft Ford on September 10th. More Assassin's Creed news there if you're interested. Uh, but for me, it's Avatar and Skull and Bones. There you go. As we approach listener mail, I want to let you guys know a couple things that I'm working on at the moment. I've been using the gaming mouse, the Rocap Burst Pro Air, really enjoying that one. I'll give you more insight later on. It's uh, new for me to be checking out gaming mice as I, as I work because I'm mostly a console player, but I'm really enjoying this mouse. It's better than the SteelSeries wired one I was using, uh, and I'm really digging it. So it's, it's really light and comfortable. I'll tell you more about it later on, but I just wanted you to know I am working on that for review, I suppose. Um, I don't know if any of you guys checked out the review last week on the Steel Series uh, Nova Pro Wireless. Those were fantastic, or are a fantastic headset. I know I got a pretty incredible, um, pretty incredible message from Mr. Joanna Dark. Shout out to you at big underscore n underscore boss. Um, he picked up a Nova Wireless Pro as a result of the review, and that's really cool to see. That's amazing, and. Um, all the more amazing. Thank you for the tweet and the tagging of people because that helps XEP or people. It helps point people to XEP. So I'm appreciative of that. But that's such a good headset. Um, it's been kind of ruining me as I check out the the Turtle Beach uh, headset that I'm working on because it's a it's a budget headset. And I'm like, eh, it's not nearly as comfortable. Well, it's also less expensive. So but I'm working on the Rocat Burst Pro Air uh, mouse. I'm working on a Turtle Beach review there. Checking that out. Uh, I'm reviewing three games that are not out yet. Uh, I will, I can, I can say two of them. One is called Kurt, which is a platformer. Uh, the next one you'll remember bright memory infinite. That's got a release date checking that game out. And the next one I can't say, but it's an Xbox exclusive that I was not excited about during the showcase. Uh, and I'm checking that one out and it's, you know, we'll see if it sways me or, or whatnot. It certainly has a really cool art style and you can probably figure it out from that. All right. <clears throat> Let's check out some listener mail here. This first one does from, does from, does come from, come from my good friend, Captain Logan. He says, God of War got its release date and collector's editions announced. What was the last collector's edition you bought and how did you justify it to your significant other asking for a friend? 
Well, Captain Logan, uh, the last, the last, and, and for your friend, this is information to help your friend out with their significant other. Um, I've bought lots of collector's editions retroactively. It's very rare that I got them at launch because at the time, a lot of the games that I wanted came out, I was not in good financial standing, right? So like when Arkham Knight came out, I was not in good financial standing. So I only got the game. Uh, when Halo 5 came out, I was not in good financial standing, etc. Like that kind of stuff. Now, to to alter that, I've gone back retroactively and collected a number of different statues from Halo Infinite, which wasn't collector's edition, but there were lots of statues out there for it. I've got a lot of those. I've got the Halo Reach, Halo 5, Halo 3. Um, one of my favorite collector's editions that I have is the God of War statue. I love God of War. I think it's the best game ever made. And uh, I love that one. I have the Arkham Knight uh, statue there. Uh, I really dig Darksiders Genesis and Darksiders 3. So I have those two collector's editions that I got retroactively. Um, one that I did buy at launch was Doom 2016. I loved Doom 2016. I had that collector's edition. I did not get the Doom Eternal collector's edition because I wasn't really in for a helmet. I wanted a statue. Um, I've got a few small, like cheap statues for... Uh, for the Marvel's Avengers, knowing full well that that's not quite on the same level. Same for Super Lucky's Tale and Kingdoms of Amalur. But I have, now that I'm in better standing, like I've pre-ordered the Gotham Knights Collector's Edition. I'm going to be trying to get the God of War Collector's Edition, not the Jotun one, because uh, that looks a little bit unnecessary for me, but I really want the hammer of the Collector's Edition. I love that, that Collector's Edition, so I'm going to be looking for that one. And my eyes are on a potential uh avatar collector's edition the problem is that with inflation these are getting more and more expensive and you have to make choices i'm comfortable with gotham knights i'm comfortable with god of war i don't know what what if anything is going to happen with avatar we'll see just what is it statues are what i like i don't care much about um physical game disc i don't i like the st the steel books i enjoy that but the statues are what I like. Little little figures, not really my jam. Vinyls, CDs, no, not my jam. Little art books, not really my jam. I want the statue. That's really what I like about them. But others like different parts of it. They want the vinyl. They want the little figures. They want the poster. And no problem with that. Uh, it's, it's tough to make a good collector's edition. I abstained from the Cowabunga collection because there was no statue and it looked like a bunch of just little piddly stuff put together. That's not my jam, right? Um, now, as far as convincing your significant other, uh, you got to justify the money that you spend by the money you make and the joy it brings and prioritize. And if there's true guilt, remind yourself that the game is what you actually play and it doesn't make you less of a fan to not have a statue. It does not make you less of a fan to not have a collector's thing. Uh, oftentimes in gaming, we try to justify our fanhood by how much money we've spent. And that's ridiculous. Um, you are not a bigger or lesser fan by the money that you can spend on something uh, or the time that you can invest in it, right? That's not a true thing. It's not a true barometer. You are No one is a bigger Batman fan because they've spent more money on something or a lesser Batman fan because they've spent less money on something. I love Batman, right? I have the money to get certain things and I don't have the money to get other things. That does not make me more or less of a fan. Same with Xbox or anything else. You are not a more or less fan uh, because you have the time or money or don't have the time or money at any given point. And I think that's an important thing to remember. I had to sell my entire Gears of War collection at one point to make my uh, rent. And that was devastating. I 
miss so badly. I miss so badly the figures that I had, the collector stuff that I had, because I truly love Gears of War. But one must eat, right? One must, uh, you know, have rent and dinner and lights. And that's just how it was. And so I'll never get that back. But that doesn't make me a lesser Gears of War fan, right? It doesn't make me uh, incapable of enjoying the franchise. It just is what it is. Circumstances, right? Uh, if anything were to ever happen to my wife and I, where we we were in dire straits and I had to sell my statues and sell things, that would not make me less of a fan of video games. It just, it's life. That's life. Uh, it's just, just it's what people say. Uh, so I hope that, that that's helpful there, Captain Logan. The next question comes from Mr. Brendan Meyer. Shout out to him. He says, what is one IP from books, TV, comics, movies, et cetera, et cetera, that you would like to use in a game? For me, uh, the world uh, from the book of Aragon. Yes, that there was a movie, but that thing was utter garbage. It would probably be like Skyrim, but maybe uh, in third person. So that's a pretty cool question, uh, Brendan. I get this one often, and I always struggle because it's really just I want more of what I like. Um, I've often thought about a TMNT game in the Arkham style, third person action, Arkham style, dark, gritty, violent TMNT. Think 1990 movie. Uh, where they were actually using their weapons, because if anyone knows, they didn't use their weapons in Secret of the Ooze. Um, an Arkham-style approach to the Turtles would be really cool, like darker and gritty. I've often uh, wondered what an Ender's Game video game might look like. That would be really interesting. If you've never read that book, that's my favorite book ever. Um, but the subsequent extended universe around that book is really muddled and silly, and uh, Orson Scott Card really wrote some strange sequels that did not play well. And then when he realized those didn't play well, he went back and wrote more about Ender and his youth. Uh, really strange concepts there, but I'd be interested to know what people could do with it. I often feel like the Star Trek license is underutilized in the gaming space. Uh, at There was a time where there were some incredible PC games uh, for the Star Trek universe. We've got Star Trek Online, which does well, but that's a niche thing for people that, you know, they only play that. Um, one of my favorite 360 games is Star Trek Legacy. There's also another 360 game based on the Star Trek movie of the time, but I think you could do a lot with that property and it's enjoying, enjoying a bit of a renaissance given that they've greenlit a fourth movie with Chris Pine. They've greenlit uh, more Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which is a great show. Discovery's weird. Um, but I would like to see that make a return in the form of a gaming license. And then the last one that I thought of was Invincible. Great show over on Amazon. Great comic. If you guys haven't read it, it'd be interesting to read or to play an Invincible game and just what that would mean. Um, but one of the things that keeps coming back to is like my thoughts on these is I want violent versions of them. I want violent adult, violent adult takes on these franchises. And that's not always the right move. Team NT Shredder's Revenge being a good example. It's a classic kids game. That people love and people can play. And sometimes my desire for gritty superheroes, my Snyder cut versions of Superman and Batman, uh, my Matt Reeves versions of Batman, those aren't always what people want to celebrate the hero. And I have to keep that in mind uh, for sure. Next question comes from Blaze Knight. He says, what are three games in your backlog that you hope to play this year and what has prevented you from tackling them sooner? Uh, let's see. First one we're going to go with is Cyberpunk 2077. The game was broken at launch, and so I never checked it out. Uh, it seems to be a lot better now, but now it's just sitting there. I did buy it. I do own it. It's on my hard drive. I don't know. I just don't feel like playing it. <laughs> um, Tunic, same thing. It's there. I've got it. I just don't feel like playing it. And Trek to Yomi, same thing. I would rather play the games I'm playing for review. I'd rather play Sea of Thieves and Halo Wars and Infinite. 
Um, I don't know why, man. They're there. They're on my console, but those are three of my backlog that I want to get to. But I mean, I'd rather play GoldenEye Reloaded. You know, like, I don't know. Just something I'm interested in. Kevin Ainsworth, the Muffin Mon from Project X Talk. They have rebranded, by the way. They've got a whole podcast community now called Save Games Media. Uh, shout out to you guys. Had me on the show. I appreciate you. Uh, Kevin asks, do I care about achievements? He said, I don't know if I've ever heard your opinion on achievement or trophy hunting. Curious where you fall. Do you look at it, look at lists ahead of time or just play? Um, I absolutely care about achievements, depending on the game. There are some games where I'm like, yo, I want to get as many achievements as possible. A good example would be Halo Infinite. Uh, really proud of soloing Halo Infinite on Legendary. Same with Halo 5 and Halo 4. I've done all of them on Legendary Solo except for Halos 1, 2, and 3, because I don't think they're that great. Yep, I said it. Um, they don't age well. It's really all it is. It's not like they're bad games. Um, some games I really do care about achievements. My most proud achievement is the Redeemer achievement in Red Dead Redemption. I 100% of that game, uh, and that was amazing. There was a time also in my life, Kevin, where I prioritized gaming so much that I ignored relationships. I lost a, an engagement. Uh, at one point, 15 years ago now, 360, 360 era, 10 years ago now, I don't know, a long time ago, where achievement hunting and playing games was more important than personal relationships. And so I, I had to find a balance. And now I've got a balance. But there are some games where I totally chase the achievement, the number, the score. Uh, like I, I 1K a game. I'm really proud of 1Kng certain games that I love to play. Um, others, I think they're ridiculous, like Gears of War achievements. Those are stupid and badly designed and like, no, I'm not going to play the way they want me to play in that sense. Cause they stopped, they took the fun out of it by way of achievements. Um, playing Sea of Thieves right now, I think I have like 1800 achievement points in that game, but there's 3,600 because it's an ongoing title. Sometimes that's a little daunting by the same token. It's nice to have stuff to strive for. Uh, whereas other games like Fortnite, I mean, I don't get achievements in that game and I still play it regularly. So it really just depends on what it is, why I'm playing it. I got a lot of Arkham Knight achievements. Some of them I can't get. And for me, it's a matter of like, it's a way to showcase my love for the game. Achievements are a way to check out my memories of a game. I love achievements for that reason. Pulling up my achievement list and scrolling and seeing like, oh, I loved this game. I had fun with this one. I did this in this game. That's what I use them for. But um, I don't know that I actively chase them as a as a point of habit it's it's very situational on that front but there was a time where i was renting games from blockbuster just to get achievements and and no longer is that the case um shout out to game pass for for letting people do that though that's what's up all right let's do one more this one comes from edward varnell it's kind of in in conjunction with kevin's kind of uh what do you take what does it take for you to complete a game? Also, are there any genres you would love to have one game completed at least? Um, okay, so to complete a game, I need to finish it. Like I need to roll credits uh, or it needs to be something where I feel like I've, I've, I've satisfied and satiated with the experience I want with it, right? Like Phobia, St. Dintna Hotel. I think you guys heard the developers on a few weeks ago played that game i have not finished that game i plan to but like i also feel done with it like i've played seven hours at this point i feel done with it game's not over i didn't roll credits but i feel done with it uh a game like sea of thieves 700 hours i'm not done playing that game i'm still having fun so it's a point of like when i've had my fun and i don't think i'd get anything more out of it i am done with the game 
that's how I tend to think of it. It depends on, you know, story, multiplayer, PVE, like those things. I continuously go back to the PVE of Halo Wars 2, right? I'm not done with that game, but I'm done with that game. I could do more in the campaigns as far as collectibles. Not interested. So it's really dependent there. As to your second question, um, there are some genres that I just don't care about, like JRPGs, weeb stuff. Not my jam. Uh, I'm not into it. I don't get it. I don't I don't understand it. Don't like it. Um, that's not meant to sound as a diss to people that do. It's just like, for me, I'm not into it. Um, so like I'm not interested in finishing there that genre another genre that i'm not overly interested in would be the dark Souls genre caveat being i played elden ring and friggin love it right so i do try other genres um and i finished elden ring i've got my ending that i wanted i'm done with elden ring i have completed that game but there is more i've done every boss in that game but i did it for fun but i'm not interested in going back for other endings with different builds that game is nearly infinite in terms of what you could do with it if you changed your build of your character because you play so differently. I'm not interested in that. I've beaten the bosses. I've gotten the ending that I wanted. I'm done. I could go in and try different weapons, different build mechanics. Not interested in that. I'm done with that one. All right. Uh, shout out to Amon. I've got your question. I'm holding it for next week, bud. I'm deleting the rest of them and keeping yours in there, so I'll get you next week. That's going to be it for me, guys. You'll notice no interview in this week's episode. I had a long run of just interview after interview after interview. The timing for those that I'm reaching out to didn't match up, and it was also kind of nice to have a break, if I'm being honest with you. Um, I love, love, love giving you guys interviews and, and whatnot, but also, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to have a break here and there, and I appreciate those of you that still listen for me uh, as opposed to the interviews. I, I appreciate that so much, guys. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Insipid Ghost. Of course, you can find XCP, the show you are listening to on all your podcast services. Please take the moment to rate the show. Uh, I would really appreciate a few more ratings and, and user reviews. Same with subscribers and likes over on the YouTube page. That stuff means the absolute world. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Take care. Thank you.